episode 31 of the Jake. Let's go. Everybody, thank you for listening to the Jake. This is episode 31. Last week we covered the whole Scotto wedding. That was a lot of fun. This week we're moving straight on to football season and especially Notre Dame football. This past weekend, uh, after the Scotto wedding, I was uh, had plans to go out to Notre Dame. I had to keep it a little tight lipped because it was a surprise birthday party for my cousin Sean McGuire. He turned 21. He is the youngest of the Brainy Cousins, and we're really excited. This was a plan for months. Uh, his older sister, Caitlin, uh, on OBX this past summer, you all, you all know about the OBX reunion we do, brought up to me the idea. Uh, she said, you know, guys, what are we, we going to do? Sean's turning 21. This is, our, you know, this is our little boy. This is, this is, this is huge. And uh, it was her. She came up with the idea of why don't we go to Notre Dame. I was thinking, let's raid Athens. He goes to Ohio U. It's a big party school. And we're like, oh, we don't want to be crashing his style, you know? And Caitlin definitely had the best idea of Notre Dame. She was like, well, we've got the house there, right? Because a couple of my cousins co-own this house there. And our thought was, okay, we can be there. We can be out of his hair. He can still do his own thing. He can bring his friends. This would be a really great thing. So, like, later that afternoon, Caitlin asked him, hey, Sean, you know, what what do you want to do for your 21st? You're turning 21. Do you have plans? He's like, well, you know, I turned 21 on like a Tuesday. And, uh, you know, he pointed out the fact that like the bar scene on Tuesday nights is a lot of fun. So he was able to have his like Athens birthday, which was great. And, uh, and then he was like, yeah, and I actually was talking to my, my, my friend, John, and he was like, you know, talking about maybe going up to Notre Dame with me. So it just, everything fell in line perfectly. And what happened from there was, just a bunch of our cousins planning on coming in. My parents, my sister and I all went in a day early and met up with uh, family friends of ours, the uh, Nelson family, who uh, Quentin Nelson, the left guard, number 56 for Notre Dame, is an All-American, Outland Trophy finalist, most likely an early first-round pick this year, and especially a Red Bank Catholic graduate. Uh, it was really cool to do that with them, you know, come in and get to see the whole like player side of things. Uh, I've I've been to Notre Dame plenty of times. When I was a junior in college, my uh, my girlfriend went here, and and uh, you know, so I made the trip to South Bend a lot, and uh, and it was I mean, I had so much fun going to the stadium all those times. And my mom had never been. My sister had been one time. My dad had been, but it hadn't been like 15 years. So it was really cool getting able to do the the family aspect of it with my family get to see the Nelson family, which are like the nicest people in the world. And uh, I mean, their son's going to be like a superstar in the NFL, not, not even just a first round pick. Like he's going to be a really good player. And, uh, and oh boy, I'm watching Alabama Auburn right now. So I'm seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of fireworks going on, but the uh, yeah, but at Notre Dame, it was really cool getting to spend the time with the Nelsons. They have this awesome house in Syracuse, Indiana, right on the lake. 
and we were able to you know, crash there for a night before all the cousins came in. And then it was Party City once Sean came to town and all my other cousins were there, had so much fun just drinking and, and I mean, drinking and, and uh, a lot of singing, dancing, and all, all, the, all the typical fun stuff. It was a great weekend. I mean, the youngest cousin there was 21. The oldest one was like 44. It's, it, our, our family knows no age limit, right? There's, it's just a whole big scene. We have so much fun we get to see each other. So, uh, but you know what? Why hear from me? Why don't we, uh, why don't we get little Shawnee on the phone right now and, uh, and hear it from the 21-year-old himself, Sean Finbar McGuire. All right, we are back with my cousin and freshly new 21-year-old, Sean Finbar McGuire. Sean, what is up, man? How's it going? I'm great, man. How are you? Good, good. I'm just gearing up for a little Notre Dame game. Uh, got Stanford tonight. Should be should be a really good one. You know, I think it's be a good game. They can beat them. Bryce Love scares me, though. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, they always run the ball really well out there. And, and having to travel all, all the way to California could be a little scary, but... Uh, I, I mean, they just had such a great season, and I mean, you know firsthand because of the surprise party last weekend. So, for my fans who aren't fully aware of this, we threw a 21-year-old surprise party for for you last week. You were not expecting it. Is that correct? Like, you, you had no yes. idea? I had absolutely no idea. I was pretty, pretty shocked when I went. You all, you know, got my face, you know, surprise. I was, it took me like a couple minutes to process what happened, but uh, after it all happened, I was, I was pretty fired up, honestly. Yeah, you know what? Like going into that, everyone was so worried that I was going to blow it. I have a tendency to Snapchat like a lot. And, um, and everyone was like, Jake, you're, I know, you know, 24 hours in Notre Dame, how are you going to not share anything? And it was difficult. I, and I like, you know, I, I was like sending things around and I was like, yeah, I can't wait for the surprise. And Caitlin's like, please tell me you're not saying this. And I'm like, I'm like, come on, relax. I'm on top of this. No, I mean, you did well. And I think honestly, everyone did well from family to my friends who I didn't even expect to be in on it, but apparently they had been in on it for, you know, weeks in advance. So yeah. they did a great job on it too, because Weeks leading up to it, I would bring it up with us, and I'd be like so pumped up, and I talk about what we got, what we're gonna do. And you know, before they found out, they would you know talk it up too. But I think after they found out, now looking back on it, I noticed they kind of were like trying to downplay it, like not talk about it too much. Oh yeah, like they, they just didn't want to like give up too much or say the wrong thing. So. Yeah, no, and you know, they're really cool guys. I think I had only met one or two of them, like very short, you know, brief, uh, you know, meetups before. Really cool guys, and uh, it looks like everyone had a really fun time. I mean, one thing we were worried about, and Caitlin had this plan since like, you know, since vacation, since middle of July, and uh, she was, I know, it's so crazy, you know, we were talking about it, like, just like hanging around the house, and then when she said like, you know, Sean, what do you want to do for your birthday? She was, like, predicting you would want to do Notre Dame. So when you said, like, yeah, I kind of want to go to Notre Dame with my friends, we were all like, here we go. Like, the plan is in place. Let's roll. Um, and, yeah, it was awesome that the friends were able to go. Good guys. I'm hoping we didn't cramp your style. I think we allowed you to have fun with us and your friends plenty. So I'm hoping that didn't happen. Honestly, like, Kevin was real worried about that at first. And like other people, like Maggie and Katie, would talk about that. But 
guys really, I feel like you guys made the weekend even better because my friends really didn't know what our family, what all of our family's about, which uh-huh. is partying and drinking. I think they were like, ah, you know, your family's going to be here. But I mean, your parents are there for a little bit, but they're, for the most, for the whole time actually, it was just cousins and my siblings. And yeah. I mean, yeah, people are a little older, but I mean, and, and, you know, it's pretty much a young crowd when it comes to like drinking and everything. I mean, everybody had a good time. Everybody did the same kind of stuff. So I feel like, it, yeah, if anything, it enhanced the weekend because those guys loved you. I loved you all. I mean, they were they were talking about after like, yo, like your family's been for fucking wild. So, yeah, that was that was cool. I, I felt like we represented pretty hard, and I and I was I was oh, proud man. of I was proud of the brainy name uh, that that week because that was. Uh, yeah. It, you know, we, we have a lot to live up to. I know on all all the cousins like to uh, mention just how much we like get after it in North Carolina. So we didn't want to let anybody down. But that was that was fun. You know, we went out and both nights we went to this bar, Finney's, which was like a redone version of the Finney's I'm used to when I went there in college. Uh, that place, yeah, that place was wild. Playing that was like one of the more fun times that Barb ever had. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know you're, you know... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I know you've only been 21 for about, you know, like 10 days or whatever, but uh, I'm sure you've had your plenty stays at bars in the past. Yeah, just, just a little bit. I mean, hey, you were, and I should have had you on, you were out here for my birthday in August... That was a surprise for me, so I feel like I just tagged you back on this one. You, yeah, you repaid the surprise, and honestly, you, you kind of you kind of one up me there because I only had like the one, the one man surprise. You had like a like a twenty person surprise. I so. I can't take the whole credit, but uh, but the one thing, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kaylin was like the mastermind behind it all. Uh, the yeah. one thing that when you came out here in Jersey, the one thing you had on me was you were a twenty year old. And you got into DJ's Boathouse Parker House like no problem whatsoever. Yeah. So like you were able to do, you were able to do the bars, and uh, and that I mean was like a gift in itself. That I'm like, look at badass Sean just coming in here. <laughs> so that was pretty sweet in in my mind. But uh, yeah, those if that if I would have got if I would have came all the way there and got denied that weekend would not have been as fun as it was. But luckily, you know, I survived. Yeah. So that's good. Absolutely. I mean, look, so that, that was, I mean, that was something else. I mean, we're going to have to do that again next summer, like no doubt. Uh, 100% yeah. So back to Notre Dame, I mean, the partying was great. You know, back at the house was awesome. At the bars was great. Game and tailgate, you know, weren't exactly the biggest highlight because of the weather, but I, I still think we made it, you know, made it a lot of fun. Uh, the tent ended up coming up big for sure. But, uh, yeah, but I mean, it was, it was kind of helpful that, uh, <laughs> that, that like, it, yeah, it was, it was fucking rainy. It was cold. It was, it was pretty bad, but you know what? It was, I think it was the, the entirety of the weekend. It kind of just was like, it, it didn't matter, you know? Yeah. I mean, when we were walking over to the game, I, I, I kind of knew we were going to go to the game for a long time because I mean, usually a nice weather game, you get over to the tailgate lots around like what, 10, 30, 11 or so. And right. For a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, at 3.30 game, you're, the main part of the day is tailgating. Yeah. But with, with what the weather was, um, I just kind of knew it wasn't going to be that that kind of day, which I was fine with personally. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to at least go in the game for a little bit, which I did. My friend, my buddies and I went for the first half and 
it was probably the worst weather experience of a game I've ever been in. But mm. the actual experience of the game was awesome, and it was cool to bring my friends there because they had never really experienced like, yeah. a big college football game like that. And like Notre Dame's like the pinnacle of a big college experience. So absolutely. Our seats were right under the uh, jumbotron in that end zone, so we had a great view of uh, Touchdown Jesus. And, yeah. I mean, the whole thing was awesome. We weren't around any, like, you know, jackass fans with Navy, mm-hmm. so, like, you're not going to get in the fight anyway, so. Right, that's um, a good point. I mean, you yeah. get two traditions, like Notre Dame and Navy. You're hoping there's not going to be a fight amongst fans of those two teams. It's a, it's a rivalry, but then it's like it's more of, like, a respect rivalry. So oh, yeah. It's not like a, like a hatred-filled rivalry. I've never, like... It's more of just a historical thing than anything else at this point. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Exactly, because you're not going to get mad at someone serving the country. But, anyway, you're right. The, uh, the tailgate was like an abbreviated tailgate. The, you know, the big tent was probably the biggest power move of the whole weekend. I mean, that, yeah. that kind of was going to make or break the tailgate, and that worked. Everybody really needed the tent, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, we were, we were all in there, and honestly, like, Notre Dame as a whole, uh, there were some pretty... Pretty like popping tailgates that I I was surprised at. I was walking through like shoulder shoulder like blaring EDM music tailgates and like this like horizontal rain weather and I was like what the hell is this? But you know that's good. I love to see the uh, the fans and student body definitely showed out. I mean, it was it was senior night so that makes sense. But mm-hmm. still, I feel like not a lot of people let the weather bother them. Um, no, no, we were all just having too much fun. Like that was one of those things where it's like. Yeah, you know, the, the weather's not great, but, but like, the people you're with matter so much more than the weather, yeah. so we're able... I mean, I didn't care. It was, it was mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole weekend was, like, yeah. what I was looking for. And so. you know what? We got to, we got to leave, and everyone a- a- afterwards was back at the house. We got to watch the end of the game at the house. That's what's right. awesome about having a house that's that close. And then we geared up for another night of going out. I didn't think I was going to be able to make it out. I was, like, a little tired... We, I mean, the night before, we stayed up till like, 4 a.m., just, like, ta- like actually, we are up to, like, 5, just, like, chatting, just going, just, like, you know, bullshitting with each other, and the fact that we all got out there for one more night was something else. That was, that was a really fun two nights out at the bar. Yeah, I mean, my friends and I, like, we were all ready to go. We all took our, like, little power naps, and, I mean, the original plan was to go out both nights, and, uh, I think, like... Off, all like you know, all of us were kind of like seeing the the morale kind of low and you know in the house. I mean, mm-hmm. Todd, Joe, Brian, Brian, they were having like their their own little party in the kitchen and yeah. singing and shit like that. They were having fun, but they've been drinking like all day. We sobered up for like you know a good portion of like the evening, right? And then once we kind of like you know shook off the rust, we were we were ready to go. So we kind of saw all these other people, and we didn't care if we went out all four or all five of us or whatever, but. It was a lot of fun when everybody was there. So, I think the first person we all get like we got the first person we got in the face was Maggie because she was in her sweatpants and stuff, and she's the closest to age and you know for us. So we kind of got in our face, her face, talking about how she was being you know soft, all this stuff. So, <laughs> I don't know, just being annoying. And, and we kind of like we finally broke her because she was like, all right, fine, I'll change. So she changed. She came out, started drinking with us, and then Albert and his girlfriend Tree, they were ready to go. And then we kind of got Caitlin on board, and Adele, Adele was like, not for it, which is fine. Um, then Katie got on board, and uh, I think it's just kind of like, it was a domino effect after that. Like, we kind of got, like, the more people we got to break, the more, you know, more people were out there. So I think we did a good job at that. Yeah, definitely the domino effect uh, came in big time, because, you know, I was, like, not feeling it. And then when... Maggie and Adele were both in, I was like, or Maggie and Albert were both in, I was like, okay, all right. And then Nick was in, 
And then Caitlin was like, hey, are you thinking about going out? I'm like, oh, maybe now I am. And I'm, and I'm glad I did because by the time we got out, we saw a bunch of the football players there. We're ordering a bunch of drinks. It was just, you know, and, and then they played our music. Like, I, I don't know how many times I heard Stacy's mom last weekend, but it was – it was Dynamite, oh, okay. second best song of all time in my book, and uh, and yeah, I mean, great, great bar song. Too. Great, great bar song. Anytime you get into that like two thousands punk rock, like punk pop music, yeah, the, fan, the fan favorites, they're gonna know it. I yes, mean, the fan favorites. It's easy for, for a bar to do, and you know, you mentioned the football players. Like, I kind of like, I noticed some people I recognized, and I saw like you know guys like Wimbush and Josh Adams. And I was like, whoa, these guys are all like partying after an evening. So that was cool. Like, I bought. But uh, like Rob bought Josh out of the shot. And, yeah. Uh, we were talking to him for a little bit, which is cool. And I like ran to Wimbush, said hi to him, like some other guys too. So that was cool. But you're right. Like we, us also as a group collectively, both nights were definitely like the the drunkest and loudest groups, like by far. Oh yeah. We were all like we were all in our own little area. We were all just at our own level. Everyone, nobody was like looked at as weird, but we like I don't think anyone was just like as hyped to be there as we were, and nobody was really reciprocating our energy, which was fine. I mean, whatever. But uh, I think we did well. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely tell. Like, that was that was all great. I mean, it's, oh, man, that, it was just a fun weekend from start to finish. Um, oh, yeah. Aside from we had a little bit of a flight delay leaving town, but you know what? It was, it was still just time. I was able to just, you know, hang with my parents and my sister and kind of recap the weekend because it was yeah. such a fun time. Uh we, we got to make sure we do it again. You know, this it was such a great time that, like, we can't let oh, that yeah. just happen once. I'm a thousand percent down for that. I know my friends are already, like, wanting to go to another game. I mean, they love the, they love the house. They love the stadium. They love the campus. They obviously love the bar. And they love you guys, too. Like, I, I mean, like, they were saying, like, I mean, I could bring them to whatever, like, family event I want, definitely. And then I think they know it's going to be a good time now because they kind of, like, they saw how we kind of do our thing, so that was good. I was glad. I was glad that they got to see that side of my family. Absolutely, yeah. no doubt. I mean, we 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 rep it hard. We want we want people to know that. So I, I mean, anytime you guys come around to like when my friends, I'm like, you know, you gotta watch out for these guys. They party. So, uh, so I'm glad that we were able to hold up to our name. Um, all right, man. But so before I let you go, you know, I just want to say it was such a fun time. Loved last weekend. It was like. Unforgettable. Only gonna see you in about a month now because we got Christmas coming up. Uh, yeah, right up. yeah, you got pred- got prediction for Stanford Notre Dame tonight. Um, honestly, uh, I feel like it's gonna be. I feel like it's gonna be a close game. It's not gonna be a blowout either way. God, I hope not. But I'm predicting like a 28-24 Notre Dame win. I think it's gonna come down to like a. And with Stanford, it's never an easy win. It's always a, it's always a shootout. Um, we lost last minute. We won last minute. So I feel like we're gonna. I feel like our defense is gonna give us the win last minute. We're gonna win twenty eight twenty four. Is my prediction. I love that. And, and you know what? A win's a win. That's all you really want at that yeah, point. So that's all I want. so twenty eight twenty four in in the right column. That's fine. So uh, I, I I like it. I think it's uh, gonna be a little lower score than that. I'm thinking twenty one seventeen. But I think the Irish I win. See that too, yeah. So so I'm, I'm with you. That tight area, yeah. So, yeah. so listen, man. Thanks for coming on the pod. Uh, so glad that the uh, the surprise went as well as it did, and that you and all your boys had such a great time because I know we did. Oh yeah, man. Thanks for everything. Thanks for having me on here. Thanks for the weekend. Gotta do it again. We'll get back after on Christmas. All right, boy. All right. I'll see you on Christmas. All right. Man.
All right. Well, that interview with Sean McGuire, that went really well. Uh, Sean is the youngest Brainy cousin. He's a great kid, and you know what? Uh, he had such a blast. I'm so glad that he had the weekend that he did. That was one hell of a 21st birthday. I mean, I've been to a couple big 21 birthdays, right? Like uh, my own was a surprise party, which went really well. We had a lot of Ohioans come out to Jersey in the summer of 2010. That's when I turned 21. Uh, my sister had a giant 21st birthday surprise party. That was in, uh, that was, I mean, her birthday's right before Christmas, and we did it at Barre, and that was a lot of fun too. So this one, though, this one was great. It was special because it was like, you know, this was just Sean. You know, he's always been like the, like the, the youngest cousin. So, uh, yeah, this was just a great time. And, uh, you know, Notre Dame, I've been there plenty of times, and it kind of feels spoiled at this point because of how many times I've actually been there. If you haven't been there, um, it, it has to be on your bucket list. It's something else. I know the weather's not always great, but you can't make that like the end-all, be-all. You know, my mom is, you know, could be a little fussy sometimes with weather and things like that. Like she, you know, she's not the biggest football fan, but she would, uh, you know, she wants to experience these really cool things. And Notre Dame, the whole campus. The stadium, the whole experience when you're out there, we got to do it all. And and she loved it. She was so thrilled that that we were there. So, you know, when we went out there, we didn't just do drinking and, and bars and the football game. We did a lot. So when you're at Notre Dame, there are a few things you want to check out. Uh, you want to check out the grotto, which, you know, everyone has heard of. And it's a, you know, it's a shrine to, to Mary and... It's looking right over the lake there. It's such a beautiful scene. You see a lot of proposals happen right outside of it. And I actually know a few people who have proposed or been proposed to there. It's a it's a beautiful spot. And uh, when we were there, we lit a few candles for a few of our friends and family members who have passed. And, you know, you get that, like, a religious experience. It's a very religious weekend when you're out there. But, you know, with all the losses that we've dealt with this year, we wanted to, you know, take time to remember them when we're out there. And that felt special to us as well, getting to honor, you know, my friend Bill's mom, uh, my uncle Jay, uh, my boss's wife who passed away early in February. You know, we have, we've dealt with a lot of, uh, you know, really unfortunate losses this year. And, uh, and, you know, that's a type of place where, you know, you get to remember them in a special way. And, uh, and, and I was really thankful for that. So we did the grotto, you know, when you're out there, you also want to check out the bookstore because, the Notre Dame bookstore is unlike anything I've ever seen. You're like at a library, right? You know, it's like a beautiful, big, tall, like rooms, you know, mahogany, everything. But instead of books, it's all just Notre Dame gear. And I mean, it's impossible to go in there and not like have like six things in your hands. Like, right? I want this, this, and this. And I'm like such a glutton when it comes to that stuff. I left with a really nice sweatshirt and hat uh, and, and, and gloves too. <laughs> but, uh, but it was, uh, it, you know, going in there, it's like hard not to be in there for an hour, especially when you're with a group of like four or five people. So we had that. We had the grotto. And we also got to see the horns under the dome, which is a really cool uh, tradition that's also pretty new. Um, uh, it's actually, this was the 25th year of it. And since this was senior week, it was like a special one as well, considering the fact that it was... You know, like, hey, this is the last one for the senior, not just football players, but for, you know, all the senior band members and, and everyone that was doing that. 
and uh, I'll have to share all of the the videos. I had to keep it a little close knit because you know we were having to keep the surprise intact. But now that the surprise is out of the bag and everything, I can share that. So the horns under the dome was great because they play a couple songs for you, and uh, and then they end it with the Notre Dame fight song as they leave, leaving. The dome is a mess because literally everyone's leaving out like the same two exits and there are floors of people watching them do, you know, they, they, they're setting up doing these horns in front of you. It's really great. It's really cool. So after the grotto, the horns, the bookstore, just walking around campus, it's a it's such a beautiful campus. You want to see it all. My parents ended up going to the pep rally and they went to the, the players families thing afterwards because that was really cool as well. And, uh, and it was just such an awesome weekend to be able to do so many really cool things like that. Anyway, enough about Notre Dame. I'm getting a little carried away because I get really passionate about college football. You know, a lot of people look at me, they know I'm really into sports, and uh, they know I, I rep Cleveland super hard. You know, they see me always wearing an Indian's hat or a Brown's, you know, shirt or Whatever, I have so much gear of my favorite, you know, of my Cleveland, three Cleveland teams. But anytime anyone asks, you know, Jake, what's your like, favorite team? You know, I would say like, oh, I guess it's the Browns. But if I could only watch one sport, I'd much rather watch college football than any other sport. And it's no question to me. You know, I'm like, really? Over the NFL? I'm like, oh, a thousand percent over the NFL. And there's a bunch of things that go into that, but mainly... The fact that you just see so much more passion in these games. You know, I just watched the end of Auburn, Alabama, and Auburn won, and it means everything to them because they still have a chance at national championship. But that's not even the best example. You know, Michigan had no chance of making the national championship this year, but they played Ohio State today, and it would make their season if they beat Ohio State because that's the rivalry. At the end of the season you're fortunate enough to have these rivalry games that can make or break your season. You know, it's not always about wins and losses. And a lot of people don't get that. You know, some of my friends only watch and say, oh, well, you know, if they're out of the conference, if they're out of the championship picture, it's over, right? I'm like, well, I don't look at it like that. You know, these are, these are kids that are playing football that could be, you know, the last games they ever play. You know, in the NFL, they're, they're always playing for tomorrow. They're playing for the next contract. 99% of these college football players aren't playing in the NFL. They're going on to have jobs like you and I. So when I see them out there, you know, if it's Iowa versus Minnesota for the Floyd of Rosedale trophy, you know, it just that it it there's so much more that goes into it. You have these kids who are playing because they love football, not because they're good at football. You know, they happen to be good at football, but they play because they love it. You know, guys in the NFL play because they're good at it. You know, you don't always get the, oh, he loves football. That doesn't happen with everybody. Now, there are plenty of NFL players that love football. You know, like, and I'm not trying to take it away from them. But you just get a whole sense of, of like, yes, when you're, pl when you're watching college football. You know, it all starts with college game day in the morning. They're setting up in front of a bunch of fans. Meanwhile, I'm staring at Auburn's field covered by fans. You know, people are like, Oh, you know, number six should never be rushing the field against a rival like this. It's like, no, you don't get it. 
It doesn't work. It's not that simple. There's so much love that goes into their programs. These are kids that, like, all year just want to beat Bama. And they're out there because their team squashed Bama, looked great doing it, and it was, and had a blast. You rush the field. Like, you rush the field in a victory. I don't really care. Like, it's it's different. And I'm, I'm not even going to try and compare it to basketball because it's just different. Okay? I'm not much – like, I play basketball for fun in a men's league with my buddies. I played football so much more seriously than I did basketball. So I know how much goes into a football program and how much love goes into football. And a lot of people that tell me I'm wrong, they've never played organized football. And I like to keep that in mind when people try to tell me, you know, that I'm wrong about, oh, when you can storm the field as a football fan or, uh, you know, how much passion actually goes in or what does loving football really mean if, you, if you're talking about these kids. It means so much more. And I just think that I, I, I'm not trying to get on a super rant about this. And I can go on and on and on about college football. You know, there's so many other things that I love about it. You get the bands, right? You don't have bands in the NFL. You know, you have bands playing their fight songs. You have bands playing, like, new pop songs and everything like that. And it's just a better feel for the fans itself than when you go to, like, you know, an NBA game and they got like the organ playing. I'm like, yeah, that's so lame. Or you go to the NFL and they just play songs you hear all the time, but there's no band or anything like that. There are no cheerleaders. I mean, half the NFL teams don't even have cheerleaders, but in college football, like cheerleaders is a really big part of it. And just the, just the fan reach and like just the organization of like all the fans, the tailgating in the NFL, it's all about money. In college, it's all about rivalries, and it's all about history and tradition, and I love that so much. I'm, like, the biggest advocate of college football. And you know what? The best part about it, and I know I've said best part, like, three times already, but another great part about it is, guess what? If your team's bad, in four years, every single player you see will be gone, and it'll be four, it'll be brand new players in every franchise, in every team, in every college. So it's just great to see that, like, it's not a, it's not like you're in the NFL and you have a bad team. You have to rebuild for years and years and have to hope you stumble into a great quarterback. In college, you get to rebuild every year because every because you're losing a quarter of your team every year and you're gaining a quarter of your team every year. You're getting these kids from all over the country. It can't be said enough too about how hard these college coaches work. You know they're recruiting and coaching. You know, in the NFL, you have scouts, you have a GM, it, you have head coaches. In college, like, they're all this one guy. You know, the athletic director has a lot of other things to take care of instead of just, you know, scouting players, right? So the head coach has so much work to do. So when you see them win these tight games, you see a lot more emotion go into it. Because they literally spend 20-hour days all year round. They sacrifice time with their family and friends. And they go around the country just talking to football players, seeing if they could possibly join their team. It's just college football is just the best. I, mean, I really can't. I, I, I can go on for years. I, what I need to do is when I want to get into this, I need to get someone who opposes me. And that's what I'll do. I'll get someone who says college football isn't great. I'll have him or her on, 
and we'll talk about it because that's what I really need. If I'm just going to be gushing over college football, I need someone to kind of keep me in check. So maybe I'll do that come end of college football season. But right now, you're in the sweet spot. You get all these rivalries. You know, before I mentioned the Floyd of Rosedale, played between Minnesota and Iowa. It's a brass pig. That's what the trophy is. And you're probably wondering, like, what the hell is this all about? The brass pig named the Floyd of Rosedale started back in, like, the 30s when there was a bet between governors of Minnesota and Iowa. And the bet was to see who would win their big football game. And the it escalated quickly because there was actually a lot of racial tension at the time. Uh, and and one of the, the, uh, the, the governor of Iowa was like, listen, you know, like... It was about mistreatment towards their star running back at the time. And he wagered his prize-winning pig, like the best pig in Iowa. And he was like, I bet you my best pig versus your best pig. That's what people bet at the time, pigs. And the governor of Minnesota accepted. And Iowa ended up winning the game. Actually, you know what? I'm going to check this. But I'm pretty sure. Uh, it, anyway. The Floyd of Rosedale. Floyd was the name of the pig. And Rosedale was the farm he came from. You know, you don't see a lot of these, the reasoning behind these rivalries, right? Like, you have so many different things. You don't know why they play. <coughs> Sorry, sneeze button. You don't know why or how they play these things and what they come from. And that's my favorite part. You're always learning about these rivalries because there's 120 programs to learn about. And then there's also Division Two and Division Three and Division One AA. You have so many football programs across the country you can learn more about. And they all have really deep histories that go much farther than professional sports. You know, these are histories that go to the like the 1800s. Okay? So yeah, the Floyd of Rosedale. American college football rivalry between Iowa and the University of Minnesota. Introduced in 1935. That was Floyd of Rosedale. 35, so it was right in the 30, with the bronze pig issued to the winner. And yes, uh, I mean, this pig goes back and forth every year between the winner. And, uh, and what happened was, what was his name? Okay. The running back was Ozzie Simmons. Iowa star halfback Ozzie Simmons. And he was one of the few black players, right, of the 1930s. This wasn't very popular. wasn't very popular in the Midwest as well. So he felt like he was getting late hits. He was getting knees to ribs at the bottom of the pile. He was just getting really everything that you could, you know, any chance that they had to kind of take an extra stick in them, he did that. And then the Minnesota coach the next year was doing really well. You know, they were like 5-0 and or something. And... Uh, when um, the Hawkeyes came to town, they were, I, I believe they were undefeated as well. I think they had one tie, so they are 4-0-1. And going into the game, there was a lot of threatening letters going towards Simmons, the uh, running back. And the, it just, it, it got a little derailed. And going into the contest, uh, there had to be a lot of like police protection and everything. I know I'm going way into this. But this is just to show that there's so much that goes into these rivalries. This is just Minnesota versus Iowa. If you take the rest of the Big Ten, they all Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, 
all of these teams, they have really deep, rich histories that we don't know about. And that's my favorite part, getting to learn about these rich histories. They call this, there's a couple different rivalries in college football. One, uh, a couple different, they're called the Civil War, right? One of them is Oregon versus Oregon State. You have Washington versus Washington State in the Apple Cup. You have, I mean, Ohio State, Michigan is just the big game. You have the Iron Bowl, Auburn versus Alabama, which that was a really good game today. And Alabama lost by two scores. They're number one team in the country. Throw out the records. Throw out the records when you got these uh, these rivalries coming in. It's just a different atmosphere, you know. So it's just that's my answer. Anytime someone says, "What's your favorite sport? What's your favorite team?" I'm like, "No, it's college football." And every year, it's just a new chance for everybody. I love Notre Dame. Uh, my family's been a big Notre Dame fan my entire life. And uh, the funny thing is, I thought I was supposed to be an Ohio State fan. Early on, I knew I was, you know, I was a fan of all the Cleveland sports. And when I was getting into college football, I started following Ohio State because they're on TV a lot. And I thought, oh, my, my family's from Ohio. They're all Ohio State fans probably. And I learned a couple years later, talking Ohio State with them, found out everyone hates Ohio State. All my family is Notre Dame only. They hate Ohio State, and I couldn't understand that. I'm like, well, Ohio State doesn't really play Notre Dame, like, ever. Like, they play once every 10 years in, like, a bowl game. So it's not like I'm rooting for a team that goes against Notre Dame or anything. I just like following Ohio State. I've, I've followed them pretty closely the last few years, and I love Notre Dame, too. They're my team. They're my, like, like the college I root for in every sport. So... You know, a lot of people are like, well, you got to have one team. Like, I don't think so. I think when it comes to college football, college sports in general, you can have multiple teams because they don't always play each other and they play for different championships. That's what's so beautiful about college sports. So much goes into it. I get very passionate on the subject. I mean, I get, I'll spend a half an hour just reading about trophies between Iowa and Minnesota. And then who knows? One day I'm going to get excited enough to go and buy tickets to go to see one of these big matchups. See John John Bunyan's axe uh, between Minnesota and Wisconsin when uh, that thing, you know, you get the axe and it's this like it's this like six foot axe now and the handle's like, like four feet long and uh, and each year they etch in the final score so you just see years and years of final scores on this big handle and it's such a it's such a pride determining moment for a lot of these kids. I think it's so cool that you have these things going on for everyone. We actually did something funny. Uh, this year in fantasy football, uh, I was pushing for more rivalries. I think it's a lot of fun. We're all friends, and uh, we can have a lot of friendly rivalries. And uh, early on, no one really bit into it. You know, we, we don't do much in our fantasy football league. We, we talk to each other in our regular group chat. We don't really talk on the message board there. But I like to do a lot of fun things just in case anyone wanted to get into it. And uh, I like to stoke the fires a little bit. And then Brian Poppert uh, brought up the idea of uh, – he, he was playing Chris Heine last week, and he, was, he called it the Dog Bowl because Brian goes by Pop Dog as his nickname, and Heine has always been the Hind Dog. So we're like, this is easy. This is, the, this is the Dog Bowl. And Brian went to a pet store, bought a bone, a dog bone, etch the score of this year into it. And I'm like, that is how you build these rivalries. That's how you build it. I know this is fantasy football. And I know it's nothing compared to like the real stuff. But that's how you build these things. It starts out with something small. 
And now everybody wants in on a rivalry and stuff like that. So now we can go into next year. Everyone gets a rivalry game or two. And we're like, we're like man, there are so many obvious ones. Jake, Chris, and Tom are all from down the street in Spring Lake. They could easily play for, and Chris called it the Spring Lake Silver Spoon, which I think is hilarious. Hilarious, excuse me. <laughs> and uh, and there's just there were a lot of other ideas too, you know, like uh, Jake and Tom, uh, my Tom, my best friend, and I, you know, have uh, a white picket fence that we actually recently tore down in favor of a Lascado's new like black iron fence. And we kept a lot of the old pieces, and we're thinking, you know what? Get, like, the end of one of the fences and make that, like, your rivalry and stuff. It's all for fun, but it's it's really cool, and I love the whole, like, college football rivalry aspect of it, so I think that's that's fun. I would, uh, <clears throat> and I know it's all, it's nothing compared to, the, like, the real stuff in college football, so that's why I get, like, really excited. But anyway, I think that's enough about college football for today. Uh, I'll have a end of the season recap. You know, we got the college football playoff coming up with a lot of different things. With Auburn beating Alabama, it opens up the door. You know, does Alabama still get in, even though they're not even going to their conference championship? Ohio State got in last year, and they didn't go. And uh, <coughs> turned out to not even be. I'm sorry, again, I'm a little under the weather. I think I went a little too hard at Notre Dame last weekend didn't get much sleep I've been uh, getting in on the Mucinex and uh, uh, Dayquil and a bunch of other crazy things to try and stay above this but obviously letting this uh, get the better of me recently so yeah <clears throat> a lot of a lot of fun college football still to be had you know with championship week next week all the matchups are set uh, we'll just see where everyone lands in terms of the actual playoff coming up. And uh, look, if you ever want to talk college football, because maybe you don't, you don't think you know as much as I do, and maybe you don't, uh, you probably don't, because I, I dedicate a lot of time for this. I'll be happy to talk college football with anybody. Uh, I it's my favorite subject. It is uh, by far the thing I research the most and keep most of my attention to in terms of hobbies. So if you're ever looking for a little education on it or you want to go, I mean, look, I'm going to start this, this past fall. I started doing, uh, actually, this has been going on for a couple of years. I didn't even realize it. I want to check off a lot of different games and, and stadiums on my bucket list. Uh, I'm 28 years old, so I have plenty of time. Uh, there are a lot of stadiums I still want to check out. I want to check out different rivalries like the Red River Showdown or Rivalry or Shootout, whatever they call it now, between Texas and Oklahoma. I want to go to the Horseshoe and see Ohio State. I want to go to the Big House and see Michigan. Maybe go to that game at either stadium. I'd like to go see uh, the Rose Bowl. Uh, you know, Maybe USC, maybe UCLA. Don't really care. I just want to see that stadium. There are a lot of places I want to see, and, and I know I, I mentioned this in my top five a couple weeks ago. I'm and look, if anyone wants to join me next year, I got a new one to go to. I, I've done Nebraska, I've done Clemson, I've done Notre Dame, I've done South Carolina. I want to keep going. I want to do Penn State. I want to do Texas. I'd like to do Texas A&M, Oklahoma. Uh, I'll do Kansas State, Little Manhattan, the Little Apple. 
uh, I'd like to do uh, Eugene, Oregon, Palo Alto. There are plenty of places that I'd like to go see. So if you are interested, let's book it. Let's do one next year, and we can podcast on the road and talk about a, a you know any of these matchups because I'm I'm ready to check something out next Thanksgiving. I plan on taking off the Friday after Thanksgiving and heading to a random place in, in America to go see a college football game. That's just what I want to do. So if you're interested, let me know because I could use a driving buddy. Uh, my parents don't want me driving to Ohio State alone uh, the day after, you know, drinking all night with my friends and, and uh, you know, for Thanksgiving. <coughs> Sorry about the sickness again. I think that was a good call. Though. So, yeah. Anyway, done with college football for now. You know, one of the things that, about college football, though, was that, you know, this week, this Thanksgiving week, that is when you all see all the rivalries. At Thanksgiving, a lot of people associate football with Thanksgiving. You know, with the NFL, you, know, you always have Detroit and Dallas playing at home on Thanksgiving. And you get a couple college games and stuff. And now they're adding a third NFL game, too. Thanksgiving's a really special time. You know, you have... Growing up, I never looked at it more than just like, oh, it's it's a Thursday, Friday off, a four-day weekend, and you get to eat a lot of food. And I knew what the holiday was for, but it's really evolved, you know, into meeting up with a lot of people I don't usually see. And then meeting up with people I see all the time. You know, Wednesday night, the night before Thanksgiving, is one of my favorite days of the year. And, uh, you know, this is pretty common now for you know, 28-year-olds uh, that want to see their friends. And these are the friends I see a lot of, but we throw a really big party and everyone makes it. This isn't something that you kind of just happen to miss or might not make it to because our bros giving, quote-unquote, party is our favorite one of the year. And, <clears throat> and this year, we hosted it at 216, my new house, and had a really great time it, with like 30 plus people inside, we started out with doing the, uh, you know, we have a couple traditions that we, we don't do at parties, but we do at this one party. One was uh, the slap the bag of Franzia. I know this sounds very like juvenile, but we do it once a year. So we did, uh, we actually had two bags of Franzia. So now we have some leftover Franzia. And uh, if you know me, you know I love leftover Franzia. <laughs> Oh, uh, watching highlights, another uh, uh, rivalry I want to point out is Farmageddon, Kansas State versus Iowa State. Uh, one of uh, This one came down to a last-second touchdown, which was uh, really cool this year, Kansas State winning that one. But, you know, Farmageddon or uh, whatever they called it, but that's a great one. <coughs> anyway, so going in, we have... You know, for the Wednesday night bros giving, we do the bag, slap the bag of Franzia. Uh, my friend Chris Heine and I also do these mystery grab bags where one of them is you mysteriously, you know, stick your hand into a box filled with tall boys, like the 24-ounce beers, and you could be lucky and get something easy like a Miller Lite or a Bud Light or a Coors Light. Get a little something a little off the, like, you know, a little out there but still pretty cool like a Bud Light Lime or a Corona or a Foster's, or a Sapporo, you know, something a little different, but not, like, you know, deadly. Uh, maybe you get a heavier beer, like, you know, a Yingling, or a Budweiser, 
Maybe get something a little a little risky, uh, like a raspberita or a uh, watermelon rita or lime rita, you know, with those Bud Light margarita drinks, which are so sugary and horrible. Or you get the Four Loco, the Big Bad Wolf, which uh, my buddy Bill got this year. And uh, that's always a fun one. We only do it for the guys. We don't do it for any of the girls at the party. And no offense, this is the bros giving. This is uh, this is our party. Before any of us had the girlfriends that were around for all of these, it was just the guys at this party. So, uh, you know, this is going on like six years strong now that we've had this party. And... Uh, we end the night. We play Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen. I get my Santa hat out, and Chris and I fill it up with airplane bottles of different alcohols, whether it be Jameson or Smirnoff or double chocolate liqueurs. It's a little bit of everything in there, and you never know what you're going to end with. And we toast to uh, the Christmas season that is beginning, and we say that we're, how thankful we are for everybody. We do our shot, and we head out to the bar. I know it's it's very, you know, we do drink a lot of alcohol and everything like that in our group. But, you know, it's just a fun thing that we, we don't always do this. I know we party a lot and we do a lot of things. We don't always do this thing. And this night is really special. Get to see a lot of our, our my closest friends and get to see a lot of people, you know, we're meeting for a new time. Because everyone brings in a couple new people, you know, and say, hey, you know, we throw a really big party. Why don't you come on over? And we had 30 people. 30, I think we had like 34 people. At, um, not all at the same time, but throughout the party. And everyone has a good time here. So uh, that's how we kick off my Thanksgiving, and, and I always like that a lot. So I, uh, that's what this week really like means to me is like, oh, the bros giving week. And to be honest, I've been so busy in November, I haven't even had time to like look forward to it because I was looking forward to the, you know, the Sean McGuire birthday bash in Notre Dame. I was looking forward to... Tom Scotto's wedding, Chris Heine's wedding, multiple bachelor parties. There's been so many things going on. Thanksgiving kind of just happened, and it, it was past. I was like, oh, my God. Like, it was crazy how quickly it snuck up on us this year. And maybe that's not for everybody. Like, maybe everyone else was like, what are you kidding? I've been looking forward to this for, like, you know, a month. But uh, not, not, not I. I was, uh, I was a bit surprised it, it just how quickly it came up on us. And then next week we are doing a bar crawl. I will be... So excited uh, to report after that one. Uh, I'll, next week I'll go more into the bar crawl with Chris Hine. I'll have him on and we'll uh, we'll jump on the bar crawl for the December 2nd bar crawl. <coughs> but yeah, quickly, Thanksgiving really jumped up on us. And, uh, you know, it, it, we do a lot of different things for Thanksgiving. Uh, my family spends a lot of time volunteering with, uh, with, with Lunch Break, which my dad was the president of for six years. And... And uh, it's a soup kitchen at Red Bank. They do a lot of great work. And, uh, this year, my dad and my sister, I was not feeling up to it, and I feel really bad that I wasn't uh, able to. Uh, they were like, you shouldn't join us if you are, like, coughing. You know. So uh, my sister and my dad uh, ended up volunteering and serving food in the morning, and it was really nice. Uh, I've done the last three or four years. I missed it this year because they don't want someone coughing all over the food, which I totally got. And I was happy to see how many volunteers I actually got. Um, actually, our governor-elect, Murphy, uh, he was there as well. Uh, maybe it was more than just a photo op, which, you know, like sometimes you know, these things don't get uh, 
all of the credit for, but, uh, you know, he, he was there and he, and my sister said, no, he was actually serving food. He was actually working in part of the team. So I was like, well, that's cool. No, I, I, I wanted to hear that. And, uh, and, and you know what, uh, he's not even in office yet. He's the governor elect. So already making a good impression if he's spending Thanksgiving volunteering. I thought that was really cool. And, uh, you know, it's just something that we all do and everyone has, uh, their volunteer work and, their charities that they feel committed to, and I've got this, and uh, Rally Cap Sports, uh, which is another one through Paul Hooker and Margot Hooker, where you know they uh, set up sports programs for children with uh, disabilities, and and that's like that's my big one. So I I'm you know excited to see a governor that that takes his time out for this, and it's a big part of our Thanksgiving weekend because then from there on we go to. Uh, my Aunt Janice's in, in Long Branch and spent a lot of time uh, with my mom's side of the family there. And then in uh, at night, we go do dessert at my dad's brother's place in Wall. It's We really have a busy Thanksgiving. We jump around and do a lot of different things and see a lot of family members. So uh, it was a it was a fun one this year. And I played a football game with my buddies. This I mean, this weekend, you really get to do a lot on this Thanksgiving weekend. Help my friends Owen and Tara move. Honestly, hell of a weekend. Uh, end it. I'm gonna end this episode with my top five, though, because I couldn't leave without discussing the uh, top five Thanksgiving foods. All right. So, number five, I'm going with cornbread. Not everybody has cornbread on the table, and uh, that's a shame because a good cornbread goes with this hearty type of meal. You know, you have the Thanksgiving meal is really filling and. And it's it's got a lot of different flavors on there, and you have to include corn somehow, right? But corn is never going to be the you know anyone's favorite. Cornbread, well, that's like a cheating way to get it in there. So, cornbread, I got there as my number five. It needs to be a part of like just a little piece of it right on the end of your plate after you've loaded up with all the good stuff. Uh, cornbread. Number four, this is tough. I'm going with stuffing. I think stuffing slightly overrated. Now, I need it at Thanksgiving. I need the stuffing. So I totally get where it belongs. I just think that, like, at least in my mind, it always sounds better than it actually is. Now, I'll get a little bit more into what I actually do with the stuffing later, but uh, I think stuffing is an integral part. I do think it's slightly overrated. I have it barely ahead of the cornbread, but uh, it still belongs in the top five. It is... Uh, it's an important piece of, uh, of the Thanksgiving meal. Number three. Again, before I finish these, I'm going to say, this is when you're having your Thanksgiving meal. This, um, this isn't going to be any, uh, you know, variation of the foods. Like, I, I know, I, like, my favorite thing about Thanksgiving foods is the fa Thanksgiving leftover sandwich. Uh, that I'm not really, you know, putting into this argument right now. So... Uh, uh, this, you know, that sandwich is big and it's, it's a huge thing for me, but it's a combination of all these foods. Okay. So this is still just for the Thanksgiving meal. So number three, this one, it could be, you know, you can go a lot of different ways with it and it's, uh, it's going to be for me, pumpkin pie. Now, a lot of different desserts come into play. You know, when we go to my uncle Tim's, they had a peanut butter pie. They had this like olive oil cake that was a little crazy but it tastes pretty good 
Uh, there was also, excuse me, sorry. Uh, there was also like ice cream. You get like uh, blueberry crumb pie. They're all different things. But pumpkin pie, if you're ever going to have it, it's got to be Thanksgiving. And a little whip, whipped cream on it, it, it really just like finishes the meal right. And it is, uh, it, it's, it's easily in there at number three. Number two, mashed potatoes and gravy. Uh, I'm comboing them because of what, you know, like they are all together. Like, you know, you can put gravy on a lot of things. So I'm, I'm loading up my potatoes with gravy. And uh, my big trick about mashed potatoes and gravy is with the sandwich afterwards, right? I make up some toast. And uh, while my toast, my bread is toasting, uh, and I usually like to get the wheat or like the oats bread in there. Uh, while I'm toasting that up, I like to make my like Thanksgiving, you know, for lack of a better word, paste. So I get mashed potatoes, gravy, cranberry relish, and stuffing. And I take those four things, I mix them all together in a bowl, I heat up the bowl for 30 seconds, and then I put that on both pieces of bread between the main ingredient, the turkey. So uh, that it, it sounds a little grosser making it that pace, but it's the best way to make the sandwich and have all the ingredients that you want without having it get a little too messy. So I'm a big fan of the Thanksgiving paste, as you will. Which leads me to the number one thing, and I kind of hinted at it before, it's the turkey. There's a big, big talk right now. In my group, it's starting, and I, th I fear that it's going to spread, and that turkey is overrated. Now, the Thanksgiving turkey is not number one on my list because of its taste, okay? I agree. There are other meats better than turkey. And the turkey, to be honest, isn't my favorite thing on the plate. You know, I, I like mashed potatoes more. But the turkey is the centerpiece of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the most important meal of the year. I know that's a crazy thing to say, but it's to remember, you know, this, is, this isn't just pilgrims and Native Americans, right? And this isn't just hanging out at your Aunt Janice's or your Uncle Tim's. This meal is supposed to symbolize everything you are thankful for and grateful for in life. And everything that you have that year you're supposed to be spending this time with your family, your friends, all of your loved ones. And this meal is supposed to be the one time you do that. So the Thanksgiving turkey is at the center of the table. And it's supposed to bring everyone together. You see all the Norman Rockwell pictures. You see all the, the old-timey you know, Thanksgiving portraits and stuff like that. And it's, you know, like some people will think, oh, it's cheesy, that's outdated, it's corny or whatever. To me, it's not. It's a, it's symbolic of of just you know happiness and thankfulness and gratefulness. <coughs> you know everything that Thanksgiving stands for. So I think the turkey is important. Listen to me getting emotional about turkey. You know, I know one of my friends. They don't have a turkey. They do a Thanksgiving ham, and I think that's slightly crazy. Because it's like, well, isn't the whole point to have like the Thanksgiving turkey and have that going on? But, you know, the, to have that be the centerpiece, maybe, you know, they have their own traditions and I'm not going to knock them for that. But uh, I, the, t the turkey, it brings everything together. 
and it's number one for me. And to be honest, it's not even a question. Even though it's not my favorite food item, it is the most important. So it's easily number one. Yep. So that's my little Thanksgiving recap. We won our football game today. That was a lot of fun. And your boy Jake was slinging the rock pretty well. Accounted for, well, our team scored 12 touchdowns. And uh, I know that's, you know, in these games, in the abbreviated games, like, yeah, well, you know, that doesn't really mean a whole lot much. But I picked six. I had a rushing touchdown. And then I threw eight touchdowns. So uh, we dominated uh, my team, Owen Stewart. Brandon Engelstad, coach and coach player Gary Engelstad, Bill Mead, Chris Heine. I feel like I'm missing somebody. Anyway, uh, we had seven. It was seven on seven tonight, and it was just a lot of fun playing with the guys. And nobody getting hurt was like a miracle. I I couldn't believe it. Leaving the field and and not and not getting an ankle injury. Uh, or a hamstring, or blowing out a knee, or falling on a shoulder, all the crazy things that could and would and usually happen. Uh, no, this year was it was pretty uh, it was pretty safe. Everyone left happy, and uh, we had a good time going to Darcy's watching football afterwards, watching the Ohio State game, watching a little bit of Auburn, Alabama before coming back here and podcasting for you guys. Yes, I do this for you. I take out my time for my fans. Anyway. Well, Cleveland recap before leaving today's episode. Uh, Indians, offseason's about to begin. It's scary because they might be losing some of their really good players. We'll check back with that next week, see if Carlos Santana's gone, Jay Bruce is gone. A couple of these guys that maybe haven't been in town long, maybe have been in town for a while, might be gone. Cleveland Cavaliers starting to roll. Seven straight wins. Uh, they are... You know, look, it's it's early NBA season. They don't care, right? My cousin Jordan Petrella pointed out something really interesting to me. He said, LeBron and the Cavs, the past three years, have made the NBA Finals. The amount of games that is, is an additional season of games. So, you know, you see the Knicks and the Sixers and a lot of teams that don't usually make the playoffs playing really well right now. Yeah, well, they didn't make the playoffs the last three seasons. They didn't make the finals the last three seasons. The Cavs did. So why should they care about these early season games when they know exactly what it takes to get to the finals? I'm not worried about the Cavs. They have a lot of work ahead of them. Uh, they still need to put all the pieces together, but I don't doubt that they can do that. So <clears throat> check back in a week. We'll check back in a month. We'll check back in three months. And I'm pretty sure my confidence level in the in the Cavs, unless anything crazy happens, a lot of crazy things can happen, uh, I don't see my confidence wavering in them. I still think they're the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference. The Boston Celtics can win as many games as they want to. When it comes down to crunch time, I'd rather have LeBron James than that entire roster if I'm trying to win over championship right now. And with the Cleveland Browns, they are 0-10. Things are not bright. They've lost a lot of games by double digits. They have looked good at times in, on the defensive line. Uh, and that's about it. I mean, they have 
some young, they have a lot of young players. Some of them are really good foundation pieces. It's tough right now because they're turning the ball over a lot and they're not getting off the field on third downs. Those are two things that are going to make you really frustrated watching them. However, Josh Gordon came back to practice this week. And all accounts are saying that he looks better than ever. And I know that's pretty crazy to say, and I'm not going to assume he's going to start playing better than ever on Sundays. This will be his last Sunday, not suspended by the NFL. And he will be back a week from tomorrow playing for the Browns against the Chargers. And I'm really excited because he's gone through a lot. Uh, If you haven't heard about the Josh Gordon everything, I mean, his timeline of problems goes back a while. And it's checkered with a lot of different things. But if you want to take the time, he has a video on Uninterrupted, the LeBron James site, describing everything that he went into. And then there's an article in GQ about his comeback and exactly what he was going through as a player. And if you want to know a lot about him, this is a great tool because it was a really awesome piece reading about just how much this guy has gone through and I'm rooting for him not only because he's on the Browns and because he can help the Browns win a game I'm rooting for him because he's struggled with addiction and it looks like he's finally figured it out and you always want to see people overcome addiction and these problems uh no one can really do it alone and it seemed like he was having to do it alone for some time and I feel bad for him but you know what I don't feel bad for him anymore because he's overcome it and he's going to be out there next week and he's going to help the Browns win a football game. I know that's crazy to say just a football game, but you know what? It's just, it's the Browns. And everyone that wants to make fun of me for being a Browns fan, all I have to say is it's too, it's too easy being a fan of whatever team you are. I mean, it's pain in the ass being a Browns fan, but it's hard work. Okay. Nobody said being a football fan was supposed to be easy, all right? So if you want hard work, you want hard work on Sundays, devote your time to the Browns. Anyway, enough about them. Enough about this week. This is a really fun uh, pod. Uh, Thank you to Sean McGuire for coming on. Uh, We're supposed to have a couple other guests uh, that did did not make it on, but, you know, we'll jump back into it next week when I got Chris Heine previewing the bar crawl. Maybe I'll get his wife, Lauren Heine, and we'll talk a little bit about their wedding and the bar crawl coming up. And uh, going forward, I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving and has a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, and everything else that you might be celebrating this year. Okay, take care.